Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South Podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Connor O'Gara. Georgia fans, y'all are welcome. Why are you, why are you welcome? Why, why am I saying that to you, you might ask? Well, because you boys, we both picked Georgia so to lose this game. Despite everything we had said in the preseason about feeling confident that Georgia was going to be able to take care of Florida, we said before this game that Florida, we just felt like the matchup, what we've seen in the last month, was going to work better for the Gators, and that did not prove to be the case. Georgia gets a huge win in the cocktail party, sets its path for the SEC East division title for potentially the third year in a row. Well, that one's awesome, awesome that. game. It's not a hundred. It's technically not official. I because sure. I no because like I I know I it would, it would take a miracle at this yeah. point. It would obviously take a miracle. It would essentially take Georgia losing the game that we are going to be at next week against Mizzou, and then Mizzou also beating Florida, and then Mizzou somehow winning out, which seems like oh, an so absolute shot in the dark at this point. Yeah. All right. I so I'm that. I've thought about this and how I should handle this, but I, I'm just gonna be honest. This is a hundred percent your fault. This I know a, it is. I know it is. You're it's right. Not, I, I picked Florida, and I will... Exp- I will that football and eat up some clock. Here we go. ESPN coming in hot. Uh, oh, we got some, some background audio from... Of course uh, we do. ...from highlights. Okay, right. good. We never have highlights in this, so you can just leave that <laughs> up. That's fine. So here's the deal. This should be... I should 100% take responsibility for this, and I'll take 50%. This is your fault, and this is why. Did you see the picks that I sent to our group from Danny, the original picks? Or no, did you, you didn't. You said well, you said yours were good. Yeah. If you look over one column to the left, which old, I never do, old Chris Marler, there's a big red and black Georgia G, just blast it up there. And I was like, you know what? That would be like, it's three people pick Georgia. Connor picks Florida, and I told Allie, she goes, who do you think's gonna win? I said, I don't know what to do. Should I pick Georgia? Because I feel like Georgia's going. She goes, who do you think's gonna win the game? I said Georgia. This, this is on Friday. Okay. But she you said, said on the podcast said that that was Wednesday. A lot's changed. <laughs> so she goes, she goes, well, who do you think's really going to win? And I said, I think Georgia's going to win. They've given me no reason to think that, but I think Georgia's going to win. And she goes, well, what did you say on the podcast? And I said, Florida. So maybe it's her fault too. And she said, okay, let's just goes, blame everybody else, but yourself. everyone That's but fine. me. Yeah. So she goes, well, she goes, what did you say on the podcast? I said, I said Florida. And she goes, well, why don't you, you got to be consistent? And I was like, all right, you're right. So I, I. Added a little graphic, a little gator, orange and blue gator in there. Picked Florida. Because also, I wasn't going to have you be the only one that was right if, if Florida win, wins this game. You could yeah, not be the only one. Fly. That cannot happen. So, I'm an idiot. That's the bottom line. But, you know, I won money in my actual real dollars on Georgia. And then, like, it was like the worst combination of things. I was like, yeah, I won money because I put it on the money line. And then it was like all these people came and like, eat crow, Marler. Eat yeah, crow. I was right. like, some middle school kid told me to eat ass. Oh, all yeah. right. Eat poop. 11-year-old? What's wrong with you, kid? We're going to get to more discussion about World's Largest Outdoor Cocktail Party. It was a really, really entertaining game in Jacksonville. We've got one thing I liked from the rest of the SEC slate, which, let's be honest, wasn't great. Um, That was kind of the theme for Week 10. Not not the best week of football. That's okay. We're going to spin it forward. We're going to look at a couple of playoff things as well because the first playoff rankings are coming out. This Tuesday, we're going to break down the top six and why that number six spot is really, really interesting. Potentially look at uh, some of the things that we have going forward with the playoffs, some of these things that could play out over the next few weeks. We're going to guess some week 11 lines as well, and we've got fourth and wrong. But, Marler, I've had Texas Pete today. The question is, have you had Texas Pete today? Well, you obviously have not checked Twitter, Connor, because not only have I had Texas Pete, 
But that peat was so fire, I had to get out of the kitchen, literally, because the alarm went off. <laughs> oh, I did see that. I okay, set okay. the fire alarm off in the Atta kitchen. Uh, what you have? What'd you have it on? I had it on eggs, like always. Like, well, not always, but it's my... Of course, avocado so toast. I'm so did we. Air 5. Yeah. There you there go. There we go. Um, yeah, we're back on the same page. I'm still going to blame you for the Florida thing, but it's fine. Um, yep. So, yeah, I, I had it on everything. I told you guys the other night, I said, I know what I'm passing out, okay, for Halloween. I told you what I was dressed as for Halloween. I told you what Coach O was. Connor! Connor! Connor, you know what I do, though. Connor, complacency. <laughs> Come on, now, Connor. Complacency's all with a CEO. Connor's all with a CEO. You don't seem very complacent, Connor. I got you about don't... two words out of that. Well, I mean, yeah, more than we usually I'm on now. Oh, man. Anyway, Coach, turn it back off. This is Matt Luke's show now. Anyway, I had Texas Pete's. I dressed up for Halloween as a hot girl fall. And you know why, Connor? Because hot girl summer's over. Because hot girl summer's over. Hot girl fall in full effect. I was a, I was just a grill um, with meat on it. And Allie was a hamburger. It was fantastic. Uh, we had a bottle of Texas Pete's. I did not hand out any Texas Pete. I couldn't. I couldn't. Honestly, I couldn't bring myself to it. I had a bunch mm-hmm. of little mini bottles that I still had left over. I had some packets I was going to hand out. Honestly, the kids in the neighborhood, they didn't deserve it. I'll be honest with you. So, you know what? Maybe be a little bit more gracious, hospitable, giving with your Texas Pete than I am. Regardless, go get yourself some Texas Pete. You don't have to give it to others. You don't have to spread that joy all the time. I know it's about to be Christmas season. It's the time of giving. Make sure if you're giving anything, you're giving your food some flavor with Texas Pete. Uh, and also, make sure you're sending us all of your pictures. We had some good ones yesterday. We had some good ones from, from Georgia, Florida, and Jacksonville uh, with the hashtag sauce like you mean it. Um, there, I mean, there was, God, there was somebody sent in some etouffee, which I don't even know what that is. That's Cajun, man. That is very Cajun. I don't know what it was doing down in Jacksonville. They had somebody sending shrimp and grits. That looks fantastic. Mm. Somebody sent in just like a mutilated gator, which I don't know if they put text food on or not, but again, you can put it on anything. Maybe just... You know, also cook that thing first. So, regardless, make sure you're sending us your picks. Use the hashtag sauce like you mean it. There are no losses this year, okay? There are only sauces. There you go. Make sure you use text speed. I didn't say this on the air the other day, but after we, we got off the podcast that we recorded last Sunday, I went on a food tour in the French Quarter. You an actual An actual prepaid food tour, and it was unbelievable. I cannot recommend it enough. Connor said um, he wasn't concerned about going to Bourbon Street on Thursday night because he I was went going to Bourbon to Street. Tour. Yeah. You did, yeah. The yeah, pod eventually. did not. The pod did not. I don't no, think I, I needed to, honestly, after Baton Rouge. I ate like a king. I ate like a king. That su- Sunday afternoon was a very, very good afternoon for Connor. It was, it was fantastic. And they gave us a little bottle of hot sauce at one of the places that we went to. But I'm holding out because I want to use it as my alternate when I run out of Texas Pete. Which I don't know if that's ever. I don't know if that's ever going to happen. But Did you, maybe, <laughs> maybe it will. Maybe I'll just be caught off guard one day and I'll be like, I need hot sauce. Oh, I don't no. have Texas Pete. Yeah. I'll use this. Did you see the video I put up on Instagram, like on my own personal Instagram, the other day of my favorite Halloween story? Oh no, I did not see <laughs> so, this. So I, I recorded this video. I put it up on Instagram. Basically, what happened was this is like 2015 or 16. I think it's 15. And I was in, like, ridiculously – I was I didn't say good shape. I was just super skinny. And I remember I dressed up as a basic white girl named Stacy. So I had, like – You talked about the leggings a lot Yeah, the lately. legging thing. Yeah. And so I was, like – I was talking about this whole thing where I'm, like, I'm going to walk home. It's, like, three and a half miles. And I'm telling the story. And the whole thing is, like, at the end, I'm sitting outside of this church. And I can't – this Uber is trying to pick me up. And I'm not sober. And the guy's, like, I don't see you. And I was, like, I'm sitting here. You passed me three times. And he's, like, I see a lady in front of a church. And I'm, like, I'm the lady. I'm the lady. And I'm telling the story, and I'm being as animated as I am now. 
And as I'm telling the story, I was leaving Publix with a bottle of Texas Pete. And so I'm just waving around this bottle of Texas Pete, like in my right hand, like pushing up my glass with it. And like, I got like so many messages that were like, why do you just casually have a bottle of Texas Pete in your right hand? And I was like, I don't, why do you not, bro? It was, it was good. So anyway, that's the longest ad read ever. <laughs> Georgia gets back on track, the playoff track, with a win against Florida. There are some positives that I'm going to talk about with Florida that I'm going to get to later that we saw in this game play out. But Georgia gets back to looking like the team that we thought it was capable of looking yeah. like in this game. Against that Florida defense, which had John Grenard back, Jabari Zuniga was kind of in and out. It just looks like he can't quite stay on the field, which is such a bummer because of how impactful he is when he's healthy. But first drive, I was ex- yeah, first drive, he's, he's coming off the field. Not ideal. John Grenard did lead Florida in tackles, though. Georgia's offense had the response that I was hoping to see. Yeah. What if I told you that Georgia's offense would not get 100 yards from DeAndre Swift, they wouldn't get the benefit of, of turnovers and these great field position battles all day, and still they would – and Jake Fromm would throw 30 passes, and oh, they yeah. would still win and he, cover the spread in this game. Did he throw exact? He threw exactly he threw 30, 30 passes. Exactly oh, 30 passes. God. Yeah, so that stat is officially dead. No, it's not. He's 1-5 in five the, it, of that stat. It's He's one never, in five. It's never, but it's the never part. That's the key. That okay, Jake, cool. That so Jake the Fromm, new stat here is Georgia is one in five when Jake Fromm has to throw thirty passes. But and he threw exactly thirty. It's a trend thing. The trend is is official. How many did those Jake complete? Fromm, he completed twenty with the assistance from the ref. He completed twenty. We'll move on. Go on. Yeah, the Lawrence, the Lawrence Cage, the one Lawrence Cager catch that was somehow upheld on the field. Pathetic. It wasn't overturned. That was a terrible call. Yeah. I feel you, Florida fans. That was awful. But. Jake Fromm and Lawrence Cager in this game were really, really yeah. good. The one thing, so we were wrong in our in our weekly predictions of this game, but the one thing that I said that, you know, while I didn't necessarily see the clear path to a Georgia victory in this game, I said one of the one of the massive keys to this game is which one of these injured returnees is going to look most like themselves. Lawrence Cager looked like yeah. the best possible version of himself. Comes back in this game and has 132 yards, a career high, seven catches. He converted three third downs by himself. That was more than Florida had in the entire game. What? That's how reliable that he was. Florida had two converted third downs in this game. Georgia converted 12 of 18 third downs. Jake Fromm owns third and Grantham. I mean, he does. Okay, There's no okay, other so, way to say it. And listen, if you're a Florida fan... If you're a Florida fan, and, and Georgia fans, I'll just, you go ahead and calm down right now. You go ahead and calm down right now, and we're, and let's just, let's let's take out all the anger and jadedness from anything we've said this year, okay? Marler, I'll eat my crow. I'll eat my crow. I was wrong about James Coley in this game. Same, in, same, 100%. In this game, and I hope you hear what I'm saying clearly. In this game, I was wrong about James Coley. Was, I forgot who it was. Somebody brought up last night. We had a couple people... Um, and I, I should have brought up his name beforehand. I can't believe I, I don't have it in front of me now because he was like, honestly, man, I was just talking trash just so you'd, I'd be one of the guys you bring him on the podcast. And I cannot believe I can't remember his name right now. But he came at me right after Twitter and I was like, He knows who he is. Yeah, I was like, yeah. And he was, he's a good dude, man. He, he's, he honestly is a good dude. I went from being like, I was like, oh my God, the game just ended and all these Georgia fans are like, hope your comedian's going, your your comedy career is going better than this blank, blah, blah. And I was like, okay. Like, I'm going to freak yeah. out. And uh, But no, it was it was like... In this game, somebody else reached out too. They were like, "Obviously, you were wrong about saying this about about James Coley." I wasn't wrong. And I, no, I, I, yeah, I, mean, I agree. Like, when you look at the entire body of work, everything that led up to this game, there was and and you know what? To credit a majority of Georgia fans, like like a ninety percent of Georgia fans that reached out to me, they were like, "Honestly, man, 
That not a bad pick. They didn't bring up the whole thing like well, we own these people in the past couple of years. Well, it was like there was nothing we had like that made them firmly believe like we're going to go out here, we're going to do exactly what they did in this game. And you got to give credit to to James Cole. You got to give credit to Jake Fromm. Lawrence Cager looked like a man among boys yesterday. This is a different game if Lawrence Cager is not healthy. That is true. I truly, truly believe that. Jake Fromm's trust in him in so many key situations where even on the first third down of the game, he finds him on that crossing route on a third and 14 play, and he picks up the rest of the yardage by himself. That that right there set the tone that, hey, Lawrence Cager back makes this offense look very, very different than what we've seen the last couple weeks when he's been banged up. A guy who separated his shoulder in the beginning of the year Mm -hmm. has been been dealing with a rib injury the last last couple weeks and this is somebody who said after the game he's like i would have played with a broken leg yeah i mean that's that's how I much love this his game tweet about dbu to too i really do like like i mean because i tell you what like i know florida has a history of great defensive backs i know this is a great great secondary they did not play like it this weekend they looked lost cj lawrence cager played good. well against cj lawrence yeah. L- lawrence cager looked and i tell you what there's sometimes we i, I give you crap sometimes about being like a prisoner of the moment you making the comment about it setting the tone on third and fourteen, you couldn't be more accurate on that on that statement because that that first that first play, it's third and fourteen. You you stop two runs in a row. You have yep. them behind the chains. Third and fourteen with that defense. All I kept thinking in my head was, God, he's gonna blow he's gonna blow a safety right up the middle of like through like the, like this zero or one cap and basically just like the water boy thing from Mississippi State last year. Like. Arr! And he's going to come right at Jake Fromm, <laughs> and and they were never able to do that. You got to credit the Georgia offensive line. You got to credit played Jake well, Fromm. Played really I think well. With, with ten minutes to go in the third quarter, Jake Fromm was nine of twelve for ninety-seven yards and and a touchdown. And I believe seven on third down. Yeah, on third downs. Yeah. And I think it was seven seven converted uh, third downs into first downs, obviously. And it was it was impressive. And, and like, but it also was it, it. And this is not taking away from anything Georgia did because, again, like you said, if if you would have told me. Jake Fromm's going to have to win this with his arm. They're not going to have 100 yards from DeAndre Swift. I would have probably believed you because that's the, running in the teeth of that defense, which is what they continued to do for some reason. I don't know why. Love love throwing a Brian Herring out of the backfield, by the way. Side Ooh, note. that catch that he made, that little that, tap to himself, the diving catch. I don't wow. believe that was a catch, but yes, I, it was still impressive. There's was, nothing to overturn it, though. There was nothing to overturn it, and we already knew from how this game was going that it was not going to be overturned, which is a side note. But, like, I tell you what, when we, I kept saying before this game, there's like we talk about Dan Mullen scheming people open. Dan Mullen pl- called a really bad game. He got out coached. Not his best. He got out coached, and then he got out class at the end of the game when they asked him all the questions like, "Did George do anything? This and that?" Well, he he did. He was not. He was like me. He was not man enough to admit he was wrong, and he did any fault. <laughs> this was a missed opportunity for Dan Mullen in a variety of ways. One of which being, as we said coming into this. It felt like Georgia was up against the ropes in this one. Mm-hmm. You had the game plan of how to be able to shut them down. Will Muschamp showed you the, the ways that, that you can really take advantage and control the tempo against this Georgia team. And, yeah, I mean, maybe it's maybe it's different with the personnel and, and some of the injuries back. But I, I thought some of the issues from Dan Mullen's game plan, I didn't like bringing in Emory Jones for that one call when Kyle Trask was cooking. When he ran it off the off left end? Did not like Bro. that. Bro, you know what was like worse that. than that? Was the this the several sets they did when it was just Kyle Trask and they put five wide, yeah, and they're like, you and know, then, run it, <laughs> yeah, not not a, not exactly that that was a game where you looked at it and you thought, okay, I now see why Kyle Trask and who has played well yeah. is not the ideal fit in Dan Mullen's system. wasn't able to do all the things that he wanted. I thought they could have taken advantage of that Kyle Pitts matchup even more. Maybe you know, maybe having not watched it back yet, there were things that Georgia was doing that really take him out of the game. But Holding early on, him. it was. 
Yeah, maybe a little <laughs> bit of that as well. Probably a little bit of that. That's an adjustment in itself. But early on, it was starting to look like Notre Dame 2.0, where Georgia just can't cover the tight yeah. end, and Florida's going to be able to take advantage of this all day. And then in the second half, it ends up being Freddie Swain getting all the catches. But Florida had opportunities in this game and just wasn't quite able to take advantage. And I'm, I was, I came away even more impressed with that Georgia defense, which has played like a top five yeah. game all year, and again showed up. And I, you know, Kyle Trask, to his credit, came back late in this one, made it interesting down the stretch, and then Jake Fromm gets the conversion to Eli Wolf to ultimately put the game on ice. But yeah, well, that was just a great throw too. Great, great throw. And I thought both sides. Like, I thought that really Georgia did the things that we've been waiting to see, yeah. and Florida had the mo- had like the the shortcomings that we've sort of been expecting, right. but they've been able to get past, if that's a fair no, thing to say. No, I think it's fair. And so, and the thing is, I, I tell you what, it, Georgia, this Georgia defense is legit. It, and we've talked about this it's you know, off and on. Like, it is elite. That's the best way to put it. It's an elite defense. And when you talk about like how they, they will keep them in, in games the entire season – I, I said this after the Notre Dame game that Georgia did. They looked inept trying to cover a tight end, and and I thought that this is easy for me as a fan. That's a non you know I have, I have no skin in the game as some people would say for this game, but this seemed like a pretty easy like dissection on the offense because like, I thought Florida outplayed Georgia in the first quarter. I thought they did. It was it was pretty miserable three quarters of football to watch as a fan. Until the fourth quarter when it finally got exciting. It was not a fun game to watch. Not opinion. a lot of big plays in this no. game necessarily yet. And, and credit Georgia's defense to that. And, and I guess credit Florida's defense as well. And this wasn't something like the, the refs took it away from. I thought I thought Georgia's defense did a great job of shutting down Florida's offense and taking away. And even when Dan Mullen would call plays that were beneficial to this offense. But yeah, you, the Pitts thing, mind-blowing. Mind-blowing that you didn't get him more involved in the second half. I, I, I know that after a while like he was starting to get double teamed all kind of stuff. But like that was the only... They, that was the biggest play they were consistently having in their offense. I yeah. did not understand any of the fourth down calls. Uh, they just they looked they looked like I tell you what, if you're an offensive lineman, I never played offensive line. You guys know that. But if you're an offensive lineman and you know the snap count and you know the play call, I tell you what, guys, just take a deep breath and wait till that damn ball is snapped by the center. Okay, whatever whatever the man in front of you is doing, you don't have to react to that. And George is shifting on the D line. Continuously, just like they, they shot themselves in the foot a lot. Um, was it Isaiah Wilson who had the the fall down, like the, that fall down where he just fall, <laughs> fell back barely. But it was it ended up being a smart play because that's yeah. what you're that's what you're taught to do in that spot so you can yeah. draw the encroachment penalty. It was it was it an impressive sense. job. It was an impressive coaching job, and, and I will say I, I do think that Georgia owns Todd Grantham I, I, for whatever it is. And I, I, and, and yeah. like I don't know if it's if it's just like a schematic thing. Uh, me personally, I think part of it is. Looking at the personality of Todd Grantham, I think this is one of those games where he's like, it, it is like, the, I don't want them to gain another yard. I'm, he's just doing too much. You're doing too much, bro. And it was it was not a good look. They did not look good. Are we going to talk about the officials? Uh, let's. I don't want to spend too much time. About it. Everybody knows watching that game, the officiating was had its moments of just not looking yeah. good at I all. Don't, the, yeah. the aforementioned catch with... With Cager, obviously, like everybody in the, the world, several thought, times and yeah, adjusted <laughs> his hand. I, like, I, here's here's what I want to say, and I, and I want to say this: I'm not taking anything away from the Georgia win at all because Georgia deserved that win. They played better. They outplayed them, outcoached them. They deserved to win that game. What I'm so sick and tired of seeing, and I've, I put this on Twitter yesterday, is from from a fan standpoint, we wait nine months to see this. We wait nine months. We're already in the last month of the regular season. I'm so sick and effing tired of turning on games and having refs 
impact the game in a negative way. We deserve better as fans. And I know Greg Sankey doesn't listen to this podcast, but if somebody wants to relay this message, I'm so sick and tired of watching games and having, like the Auburn game happened the same way, the first touchdown. It's like, I'm so sick of watching the whole thing of, yep, that looks like it should have been a penalty. What do you think, Bill? Yeah, I agree with you. What about the official in the booth? Yep, I agree with you. Anyway, here's the extra point. It's such blatant horse crap. I said crap. I look... I look forward to the video midweek, um, selling why the official was right, of course. That is ridiculous. And not why the official, yeah. Or another release from Greg Sankey saying, um, yeah, just go Suck take it a up. hike. Suck it up, buttercup. Suck it up, deal with it. For the 14th year in a row, the team that won the rushing battle won this game. Georgia wins the rushing battle 119-22. to I thought Florida could run the ball a little bit more. I thought they could have <laughs> had... I actually thought that Michael P. Ryan could have had more room off the edge. Yeah. Up the middle, it seemed like Georgia was getting a good push. They but kept running right... Whoever 95... I can't think of his name right now. 95 for Georgia made himself some money yesterday. It's like Tony Clark or something like that. I don't know. He looked fantastic. Um, this game, though, for Florida, it's it sets reality in of once you have that second loss and the pathway division title is blocked, you start to think about what's next. And this is this is a tough task for Dan Mullen because, like last year, you got to figure out how your team's going to respond. Last yeah. year, Florida had the just the absolute egg that it laid against Mizzou after this game. But here's the good news for Florida: you can still go to a New Year's Six Bowl, and you're mm-hmm. still going to continue to to get the benefit of the doubt because your losses have both been to legit top 10 teams away from home. Florida can go to a New Year's Six Bowl for the second consecutive year. That's a a huge, that would be a huge accomplishment in the first two years of the Dan Mullen era before he really gets recruiting going. I still still will stand by the the take that it was a definitely a, a huge missed opportunity for Dan Mullen, and I'm sure that's why he was even extra frustrated after this game, besides it just being a typical rivalry game, obviously. They could have won this question. Here's my here was my question, my takeaway watching this, and I realize that Florida scored a couple of touchdowns late. Not to say that they were garbage time touchdowns; they absolutely earned that. But Georgia's defense looked really good yeah. for, for, throughout most of this game. Uh, Two part question here: One, does Georgia have the best defense in the SEC? Yes. Two, how is that defense going to fare against Bama or LSU? Um. We're looking what, at a great matchup potentially. Uh, I don't think we are. <laughs> I, I'm interested. I'm, I'm more interested I, now after seeing seeing that style because one of the things that Georgia did so well in this game was the time of possession. They dominated, and a big yeah. part of that, obviously, when you convert that many third downs, Florida can't get off the field. You're going to win that time of possession battle every single time. But if they can do that against a team like Bama or against LSU, as efficient as they are, take them out of their rhythm a little bit, you just never know. I'm not saying that Georgia's going to win that game, but I became more intrigued with that matchup go- than I was at least going into Saturday. Uh, yeah, so, so here's the thing, I, and I i don't know how to say this because I don't want Georgia fans. I just don't want Georgia or Florida fans in my mentions anymore. I'm just tired of it. I want, I want As a Bama fan, I'm glad that Georgia won. Okay. I don't. I, there's nothing that this team does offensively that, that worries me. I'll be honest. No offense, guys. Like I, and, I, and I'm not, listen, they're a good team. That defense is legit. That defense is legit. Uh, there, <laughs> there's, just, there's just nothing the offense does that is like, oh, no. Like, what are we going to do? Like, what what are we going to do to stop this team? What Like, there's nothing that this team as a whole does that, scare, that scares me into not being able to beat them. Is that a better way to put it? Like, the defense is yeah. legit. The defense is legit. I, I just don't think we saw it last year. With what what LSU did to him with a worse offense, they beat him thirty six to nineteen. We saw what Bama did with a backup quarterback to him. 
I don't sure they shut down Tua for three quarters. I, I just I don't see either one of those teams losing to this team. Thing to remember also with Georgia, while the path to a division title is all of a sudden just there sitting in front of them, they still do have that trip to Jordan Hare to make. Yeah, that's saying, gonna be fun. I'm just saying that's gonna be a really, really physical battle. Um we'll talk a little bit more about Auburn in a bit here, but that that's still going to be a really good game. And it's not by no means is Georgia all of a sudden is is Georgia guaranteed to go into that SEC championship yeah. with only one loss you just know, because they've won a big game like this. You know it's not brought up enough because and I think it's because the I mean, we don't talk special teams that much unless it's about Alabama being terrible at it. But when when you look at Georgia's special teams, I love Blaylock. He, he's I think he's an electric kid. I think he can do a lot. Um, surprise, bright future, yeah. Bright, bright future. Obviously, Blankenship is one of the best kickers in the country. Not enough is made about what can Canada, Camarda, Camarda the punter. Yeah. Okay. Either way, can. <laughs> Canada, 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 Matt Canada. Okay, so so Camarda, not enough is made, and maybe it's because I can't pronounce his name correctly, but not enough is made about the fact that that kid in in the games that I've watched consistently, big games with him, Bama game last year, SEC championship, this game this past weekend, that kid does. I've never seen a kid throw his fastball more than this than Camarda. Like you, like you're at the forty five yard line, like hey, let's pin him deep. Hell no, brother. I'm firing a four seam, dude. It's going five yards deep in the end zone every time. I have no idea why is this not a bigger deal. He he does he does less to help that team win, I think, than anyone else on the team. That's a fire take. It is a fire take, but you will, go back and watch the like it, it. It routinely he will fire balls into the end zone. It's like, dude, like because because think about this, okay? I do believe in this Georgia defense. This defense is absolutely elite. And and listen. I worry about what Auburn's front four will, will be able to do. It's going to be a great match of all that kind of stuff. But, like, they're, they're going to shut down Bo Nix. I'll ruin that surprise for everybody. It's not going to be funny or, or fun to watch. Like, they're going to absolutely dominate Bo Nix. But, dude, just, if, just pin him inside the 10. Don't even get greedy with it. Pin him inside the 10, not even the 5, and let that defense go to work. It's, it's infuriating to watch. I hate bad football. Do you want to talk more about punting, or you got that out of your system? I love no, punting. <laughs> <laughs> Punt to win. Let's do one thing I liked. A guy that we were talking about a lot about a month ago. Uh, we've kind of kind of cooled on him a little bit just because his play hasn't necessarily warranted. You called him Peyton Manning. No, 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 no. Let's rewind. Let's rewind. So Ryan Helinski, South Carolina quarterback. The one thing I like from this Vandy, South Carolina game Ryan Helinski not panicking in this game. And yeah. I the Peyton Manning comparison that I made before was some of his footwork in was the pocket. The way, the, game? the way that he backs away from pressure when it's coming at his face is a little bit like he just popped in a, a videos of Peyton Manning and said, here's how I'm going to have my footwork. That was that was the comp that I made. He is obviously not Peyton Manning. Okay. I will give Ryan Helinski credit for not panicking in this game when he's looking at a 7-0 deficit in the middle of the second quarter to a Vandy team that, let's be honest, if South Carolina loses that game to Vandy, the Will Muschamp, the anti-Will Muschamp crowd is going to be heard louder than ever yeah, in that one. That if you bad. can't get up for a home game at night against Vandy, ah, uh, yikes, that that's not good. But Ryan Linsky settles into that game, and he was playing playing without Shai Smith, who wasn't who was out. This we found out on Saturday morning that he was going to be out in this one. Brian Edwards had a huge, huge day. Also, they were without Rico Dottle as well. I think uh, Tavian Feaster the, went out for parts of this all game. All the pieces were in place for them not to cover the spread. 
and they still did. They still did. They still found a way. They still turned the ball over late. Vandy did. And what was it like? Did they have a they have a pick six in this one? No, they came the close. Too? They, they almost did. I turned it off they at that point because I was like, this is unbelievable. Um, 15 and a half was the spread, right? Yep. 17 and they won by the 17? Final. It's unbelievable. Um, no, so, so what bothered me about this, oh, man, I, I just realized I have so much blame to go away from anything that I picked this weekend. I'm so excited for this next part. Um, <laughs> well, Bob, so... I think you're right with the Hunsky thing. What, what did bother me about this is I think you're right. Like the it, Carolina fans, like I just say keep Will Muschamp. Just stop. Just let the season play out because it's not going to. You're you he's are not, not going anywhere. He's, he's not, not going, going anywhere. anywhere this year. He's not. He's doing a hell of a job building up this program. And and I don't know who needs to hear this from South Carolina or in Columbia. And and I love you guys to death. And I love being in Columbia, even though the traffic's terrible and it's hot as hell. But this has been a program that's just been swimming in mediocrity for like a hundred years. He's turning it around. Ryan Helinski is a great quarterback. Brian Edwards is a great receiver. You've got a lot of great recruits coming in. You've got a great fan base when you guys want to be. But what bothers me about it is, it's like you're right. If if they are, if this even is close in the fourth quarter, this is you're still going to hear the people just chirping about Muschamp over Vandy. And it's like this sucks, man. Just let like let them go. Let them go to work and and just let like play the long game on this one, okay? Next year, if it's the same kind of crap and it's the same kind of averageness, that's fine. I think if you pull the average South Carolina fan right now, they would tell you, yes, 2020 is going to be the year because that buyout is still north of $25 million, I believe. I think, isn't it like $28 million or something stupid it's like something that? It's stupid, if, yeah. It's, it's, it's a really high buyout this year. We knew that the schedule was going to be really difficult going into the season. They still have a chance to get to it. They still have, I'd say, a coin flip of a chance to get to the bowl game, maybe. The Tennessee loss hurt, obviously, but it's still sitting they there if they lose this game. Left? They gotta win two more. Damn they gotta win two more games. So they got they yeah, got I mean, App State too, huh? Yep, State. I don't know why I said like App State, which lost this past weekend. So yeah. lost to Georgia Southern this past weekend. So you know they're, they're, they're angry. So they're so they're not gonna be ranked basically, but yeah. they still also have that game against A and M, which uh, you never know. Um, okay, speaking of that, A and M, UTSA. I feel really bad about this. Before we get to one thing I liked, before one, we get right. to one thing I liked, Lowell Narcisse. Yeah. OG listeners of this podcast who've been listening since, uh, I don't know, what, middle of last year when we started yeah. saying Lowell Narcisse. Yeah, that's all you know. Yeah, that was good, too. We know his name is Lowell Narcisse. I did not realize, because I did not take the time to do research on this game, oh, that he was the starting quarterback until he got UTSA out to a 7-0 lead. And oh, I'm like, yeah, wait a minute. I totally forgot. I was spending so much time about the fact that they were the Roadrunners, and I totally, I, I blanked on that. I beefed up. My apologies. We would have made a much bigger deal about this when we picked this game. Yeah. That wasn't the one thing I liked from this game. The one thing I liked was Isaiah Spiller running for a billion yards in this one. He had 217 rushing yards, three touchdowns, doing what you're supposed to do against the Roadrunners. Um, a game in which AM had a little bit of a slow start, and they relied on the running game. Not necessarily sold in the running game yeah. that they're going to be able to run the ball against the likes of Georgia or LSU down the stretch, but feel more encouraged that they at least know what it looks like now, and they yeah. didn't have to have they didn't have to have Kellen Mond getting double digit touches in this game. We talked about that coming in, yeah. and you could rely on Isaiah Spiller to pick up big chunks of yardage. Nice for them to be able to see that and to be able to have a comfortable win. They're six and three now; they're bowl eligible. Yeah. So everything you said is correct. And I know I give, Thank you, you. I give you a lot that's of credit. rare. But that's not true. I give you credit all the time. Don't start that. Now I'm not going to No, no, no. No, no. It. That, no, it's rare that everything I say is, is okay, correct. Okay, I was going to say. Usually I, like, oh. I have at least one thing that's wrong. Everything you said about this game, spot on. Spot on. That's a really good job. Because, I mean, like, from, from your 
over-under about the Kellen Mond thing. And, and I think... It was I, six carries, and I had the over-under set at eight. Right, right, exactly. You were and you're really good at that. But no, so what, what I'm saying is everything that you've said about this game is perfectly put. Like, I don't think they're going to be able to do this consistently the rest of the year against LSU, against Georgia, all that kind of stuff, especially in road games for both those. But yeah, it is, it is good to see, like, hey, this is a win... At least you're keeping the what do you call it off your back a little bit, like the monkey off your back for Jimbo, and you're you're keeping that at bay. This this was, you did what you're supposed to do. Bottom line, it's easier to clinch bowl eligibility when you're when you got UTSA yeah. um, and an M team that is going to actually I think in a, in a weird way could have a huge playoff impact because of all the contenders that they play, yeah. all the the common opponents with Clemson, with Bama, Georgia, LSU, and we're talking about AM. AM winning these games and winning them convincingly, obviously important because if they're in that top 25 mix, that could potentially, you know, I, I don't, I'm not necessarily sold on them as a legit top yeah. 25 team as of right now, but that's going to be something that we talk about in these playoff rankings right. as we talk about, you know, strength of schedule, all those things. You think things. they'll slip in there in the first rankings on Tuesday? You know, I think they actually will. I think they will. I hope not because this is. I hope not just not not just because of for A and M, but because for whatever reason this year that team has been the team that people from outside of this conference have used to to talk yep. about the SEC bias, and I'm so mm-hmm. tired of hearing it. And because like not in a rude way, A and M, but we don't need A and M to be a dominant team or a good team this year. Eh, Bama needs A and M to be. I don't think they do. Well, I mean, they're going to go eleven and one, and they'll be fine either way. Or they won't. But they don't they don't need like beating A and M isn't listen, at this point, beating A and M isn't gonna help Bama. Regardless okay. if they're ranked or not. No one's gonna care about that. Because okay. it's Bama. Mississippi State and Arkansas. God Jesus. <sighs> that the thing I the thing I liked about this game was not my prediction that Arkansas would cover the spread. The thing I liked about this game was not Chad Morris saying that, that we're going to win this game. And yes, Arkansas fans who are defending Chad Morris, he did say it. Go back and listen to that Is clip. He doing and that? if you yeah, oh, I had people that reached out to me because I tweeted about that. I, I didn't remember until about two hours after the game that he had said that going in, and then Arkansas just lost by 30 at home against Mississippi State. Don't, don't, no, hold on. You don't get to rub that in their face after after you pick them to cover, sir. No, 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 no. I, I'm rubbing it in the face of Chad Morris for when he's never won an SEC game. Yeah, that was bad. And you and you and you say and you say we're going to win the game, and you're talking about your quarterback situation and and how confident you are, and everybody in the world knows that I when got ben five Hicks, quarterbacks over here, y'all. When when Ben Hicks was announced as the starter of that game, everybody's like, all right, so he's going to be in for like a quarter and a half. Right? Maybe? Is he going to make it to halftime? And of course, he gets benched in this game because that's what always happens with Chad Morris's quarterbacks because they're never prepared, dude. Ever. ever. Okay, hold on. Ever. So you know you know how like when people always talk about like Georgia or Bama or LSU, and it's like. Yeah, man, he gave him the keys to the garage, and he's got a bunch of Ferraris in there. Or so, like, like this is like if Chad Morris is like, "Yeah, I got a six-car garage. You want to see what's inside?" And it's like, "That's right, that's a '94 Ford Taurus right there, going from left to right. I got a Honda Accord '97, Mitsubishi Eclipse. All these are awful. They're awful. Yeah, you don't want anything to do with no. Um, Besides the Eclipse, that was cool. Mississippi State." The response on the ground was the thing I liked about this one. Joe Moore had told his team before the game, he said, just decide this one in the trenches. He didn't want to have to pass yeah. this one. As we found out, Garrett Schrader had an illness going into this game. Tommy Stevens was the surprise starter, much so to the sick, chagrin. Bro. Uh, I see what you did there. Sorry. Yeah, that was much. much to the, probably just, you know what it was. Garrett Schrader was probably doing a little bit too much partying as Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Living that's that fair. Fitz Magic life. Love and he's it. like, yeah, I'm still a little bit, you know, Halloween got me down. 
But Mississippi State comes out and just runs the ball over the place. Kylan Hill was fantastic in this game. Career high, 234 rushing yards. Mississippi State had 460 rushing yards in this game. Over six Had 600 total yards in this game. The most that it's ever had against an SEC team. Way to go, Arkansas. That's so messed up that you, you picked them to cover. I know, and now I feel jaded. Just a parade, a parade. You know what? I'm not listening to any of y'all anymore, and this is why, too. Because I was right about Ole Miss. I was right about – I said take Mississippi State down to six and a half, feel comfortable with it. I would take – everything I said on the pod besides Florida was seemingly right. This is stupid. Our locks of the week were not uh, – No, they were – I don't know what I was thinking on that crap. But listen, SEC stuff. The, like the Mississippi State thing, the, though, all those stats you said are gaudy, gaudy stats. You know what's more impressive than any of that to me? They ran for over 300 rushing yards. 300 in the first half of football. Of an American bad. football game. Yeah, in, in 2019. You know Liberty had 500 yards off into the first half too, right? Buckshot Calvert Dude, was slinging all over the place. Everywhere. All right, what's the next game we got to talk about? We got UAB Tennessee. Which, yeah, Dakota oh, Carter, strap in, bro. I'm about to roast you. Go did ahead. Not have, did not have a ton of eyes on this game, but the thing that I liked. So get this stat. It's been a stats-heavy pot so far. Tennessee, Tennessee forced more turnovers than they had penalties. That's a great that stat, is, Connor. That is tremendous because we talked about the, the, the improvement that we've seen from Jeremy Pruitt. Te- that team looks like it's finally buying in, and where do you buy in? The discipline. You shouldn't have penalties recruits. against a team like UAB. Recruits. We're going to make sure that this never happens again, so says Jeremy Pruitt. Yeah. Um, but Tennessee actually getting after and having those game-changing plays on defense, really, yeah. really important, especially when we knew coming into this game that the offense was going to be a mixed bag. Jared Garantano had the broken hand. I don't know if he saw in the press conference after. looked really funny. Um, good for him, though, for actually being yeah. able to, to kind of stay out there. A little bit of a quarterback rotation. Brian Mauer, they're going to try Still and be as bad. conservative as possible. Brian Mauer didn't play in this game, so there you go. No, I'm saying uh, I'm saying Garantano is still like, – like, like, I was a little disappointed. Not so. I said Tennessee was going to cover on the damn podcast. Dakota Carter. Dakota Carter. Oh, come to the principal's office, sir. I love you to death. You, he's a great. You know who Dakota is from the podcast group. He's a great. Dude. Oh yeah, yeah. Lives in Birmingham. Really cool. Really cool guy. Um, great conversation starter in the podcast group, especially. He's a high school coach, um, and he's a, he's a student at UAB. He was like, oh, guys, I noticed. I don't know how you sound, so I'm not trying to make fun of you because this is just me being jaded. He's like, I know how you guys don't know much about UAB, so I went ahead. He said don't sleep on them. Yeah, he's like, I went ahead and sent you uh, some stats about UAB, and it was like, oh, sheesh. These are, like, they, they basically, the stats were impressive, and I appreciate you doing it. I really do. I just, it got in my head, and I was like, well, you know what? UAB's about to come out and win this game. <laughs> like, because it was like, he's like, this is what we're ranked in this category, in this category. And it was all really, really impressive stuff. And and you know what? Honestly, now that I'm saying all this, we should have just done our homework and, and done it on our own without having to rely on one of the listeners to help us out. But regardless, you ruined my pick, and I lost money, Dakota. So thanks for nothing. I picked Tennessee to cover somewhat blindly. Uh, Bryce Thompson, thank you for that, because he had three picks in this game. Looks really good. Jeremy Pruitt's defense, I still don't think that they're going to a bowl game. And I know Tennessee fans are going to hate me for saying Dude, that because they they're could. feeling good. Wait, what are they, they what are played they now? really well. They've got four wins. So they, so they got to get uh, two more against Vandy and Kentucky? Tennessee's going bowling, bro. Eh, the Kentucky game, you never know. Oh you never know. The game's God. in Lexington. That game's in Lexington. Nobody goes I want to Lexington. I want to see it from Tennessee away from home as well. I think that'll that'll be it. Once they turn that corner as well, then that's – 
obviously one we're going to start to talk about them in a totally different light. What, yeah, that's fair. Ole Miss and Auburn. This Bojo. game got really, really interesting down the stretch. I, Ole Miss I actually had a y'all chance. To listen in, y'all coming in here. You talking about Matt Luke, Ole Miss head coach, Ole Miss football? See me give out a scholarship on Halloween? Trick or treat? Am I right? Am I right? I like the am I right. You gotta keep that one. You're learning how to say new things. I like that you're expanding from Ole Miss head football coach Matt Lou. You talking about? <laughs> hey, you always say that. You talking about? Yeah, you're talking. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, what what you, am I talking about? Chris, what are you, anyway, go oh, ahead. Oh, all right, Ole Miss and Auburn. The, the game got really close down the stretch. Auburn wins this twenty to fourteen. A game in which Marlon Davidson was a, a surprise late scratch in this one. Um, but the one thing I liked, and I know Auburn fans, you're frustrated that over 500 yards of offense only translated to 20 points. But the one thing I did like, as much heat as Gus took after this game, Anthony Schwartz finally yes! getting double-digit touches in this game. He had nine catches for 89 yards. He had a carry for four yards. This is exactly what we've been waiting to see throughout the year. Somebody who, as Gus said, he's the fastest player he's ever seen. Yeah, it's probably a good idea to get him the ball. Just just a thought, throwing that out oh, there. He's, he's, also, um, he's, so, he's so fast out there. I, sometimes I forget to even, even he's in the field. That's why I don't give the ball right there. Cool, Gus. Credit the, credit the Ole Miss defense, because I think in years past, I think he, Anthony Schwartz would have had about 200 yards from yeah. scrimmage easily. Yeah. Um, when Gus the was one thing. Place. The one thing I didn't like, yeah, besides, yeah, there, there were some moments there. The one thing I didn't like, so Jeremiah Denson had a tweet after the game. Loved it. He said, the energy at Jordan-Hare, thumbs down. Uh, Loved it. That's your, that's your, that's your leading tackler who con- who's coming out and basically calling out the fans, saying that, you know, because the fans were frustrated with the offense, that they're, they're sitting there only with 20 points. The this fans that were there. The fans that, the fans that were there. This is a game that Auburn was favored to win by by three scores. What did that final line end at? Oh, it got up to 19 and a half, Connor. Yeah, so, so your favorite this was three touchdowns, those, again, essentially. You know what? Now that we're 40 minutes into the podcast, I think I can fully admit that I am more of a victim of my own uh, head games than anything. Because I, 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 saw, I saw... Yeah, right? I don't get my own head. I saw this and I was like, this is free money for Ole Miss. Like, coming off a of bye week, which I know sometimes mm-hmm. I put too much credit into, or soccer Way too to, much. But, like, coming off a of bye week, having Auburn, who just had an emotional loss on LSU, having a week where they mm-hmm. lost their backup quarterback, you have all this kind of, like, you know, scrutiny coming in from the program. You got a true freshman and at quarterback, and the line kept going up. And I was like, well, jam, maybe, maybe Vegas knows something I don't know. Like, I, I mean, that, I mean, which is, that's been the case several times before, but yeah, this game got up to 19 and a half. I think it closed back down at like 18 or 17 mm-hmm. and a half, but that's still like, given the circumstances, that seemed crazy. I have a take about John Rice Plumley, and I like him and he's fun and he's electric. And I, I was, I was hoping that last play that he made where he kind of made this throw as yeah, he's falling man. down that got, that got picked off. I, I was hoping that that was that, that play was just going to last forever, as torturous as that would have been for Auburn fans. Oh, that would have really sucked for yeah. you. Um, but every like after watching him for several weeks now, and I thought at first maybe just the angle that I was watching at, and I love him as a runner, I really do. Not a good thrower. But doesn't his throw look like he's throwing it at the feet of his receiver every a single lot. time? Yeah, it, it comes every it comes time. out weird. It, it almost comes out like it's throwing it into a fan. It's like like it comes out like a flutter, like in the back of his back. Of, if you guys can hear what I'm doing right now, it's like in that. the same. In the same way that when Jake Fromm was a freshman, I'm not comparing John Rice yeah. Plumley to Jake Fromm. I'm not saying he's going to be that. They both had but in bad the same hair. way that whenever I watched 
Uh, whenever I watched Jake Fromm throw the ball, his first couple starts, I thought, why does it always look like it's sailing on him? Like, it yeah. always is just going high. And where John Rice Plumlee is the exact opposite. It always looks like it's going to be at the receiver's feet, even when it's not. Yep. I don't know if that's just his angle or if it's if it's just because he's not that tall of a guy or what it is necessarily, but I don't know. I like the fact that, Carl, yes, that's a break, ball... That's a great breakdown of him. Thank throwing. you. Thank you. What a great take. He's not that tall, so the ball goes low. <laughs> I'll be here all week. Throw the ball high. John Rice, <laughs> he throws the ball low. Y'all crazy now. Uh, no, I mean I don't. I don't. I mean I tell you what, man. We got we got we got two quarterbacks. We can play in there anytime. We we know we can put them. In. I tell you what, my favorite part of this was Matt Luke coming unhinged more so than Richrod. So on the play, you saw it happen. And John Rice Plumley again underthrows his receiver. He had him. He had him. Like he mm-hmm. like. Like he basically he rolls out right, throws the ball deep, and and he his receiver has like I don't know how Auburn let this happen because Ole Miss has no timeouts. There's a minute and nine seconds or a minute and four seconds to go in the game. The bottom line is don't two high safeties. Just don't let them behind you. That's it. Two high safeties. They're not running the football. He somehow rolls out. His man is four yards past his his defender. He underthrows him, and you saw the right tackle literally just grab the defensive end, just throw there. him, down. yeah, just throw him down, and then land on top of him like you would a form tackle. And 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 Matt Luke, they call the holding, and it's blatantly obvious. You know how you know how you know it was obvious that the SEC officials didn't even wait to con- like can like. What do you call it? Confer with each other. He literally, like, the, as the camera's paying to him, he's like, holding offense. Bye. See yep. ya. Just bring it back. It wasn't even close. And you look at Matt Luke, and he's just waving his fat arms going, F, F no. And he's like, that's effing awful. That effing, no, oh, no effing way. No effing way. And it was like, Matt. Yes, it was, sir. <laughs> That's a former offensive lineman, so he's probably thrown many of many a guy to the ground. I'm just just throwing that out there. <laughs> he said, "No it way." It looks pretty obvious. No effing way. I, like, <laughs> was it Adam Kramer, our boy Kegs and Eggs? He said Matt Luke has the face of somebody that constantly comes home, or Rich Rod constantly comes home and sees that his mailbox was hit again, or somebody hit it with like a bat. <laughs> it was so <laughs> funny. Rich Rod, the over on that 20 seconds. I, I, I Well, originally the over-under was 10 seconds, yeah. I think, that we talked about. Way over. Way, Dude, way over. crazy. I give ESPN so much credit for putting so – it's like they listened to us and they said, you know what, we got to make yeah. sure we got as many Rich yeah. Rod shots as possible. That was incredible. I almost tweeted out all the – I tweeted out – I think I tweeted out two of the videos. Maybe maybe it was just one. I used I one of them. I tweeting out the other. Yeah, you used one of them. But there were like probably four or five instances in that game where he could have used a great Rich Rod video. Dude, was, I love it. it you know, it was, it, I tell you how big it's gotten is like the the one he had against was it Bama that he freaked out and we we're like, oh god, he's gonna lose it. It was it was somebody he's had early in the season. At this point. Yeah, he has. Well, the A and M one was the most uh, the most That's like right. scary uh, back away but, from him. But this one was like, I was like just scrolling on Twitter and I was behind. I was behind this game for like, I don't know. 15 seconds for some reason because i was in the slack group for sds and they're like ah oh, awful interception i was like god dang it i just tweeted Ole miss three exclamation points from the sds account yeah um but no when, when they were they, there was like several people that had tweeted like rich rod rich rod rich rod i was like oh boy yeah rich rod was was a star of this game poor old miss though just can't quite get over that hump let's guess some week 11 lines so we've got what, how many games here? We've got four, five, six, seven games. Right, seven we'll games. We'll go ahead and tell you right now, we're not going to guess Western Kentucky and Arkansas. I'll, I'll step in here. We're not going to guess New Mexico State and Ole Miss. What? Who cares? I was looking forward to Western Kentucky-Arkansas because of an obvious reason. Do you think Western Kentucky is going to be favored? 
I think Western Kentucky is a two and a half point favorite because why? Who's their quarterback, Marler? Oh my God, it is. Oh my God. This is the story of a hurl. Let's go, Connor. Good point. Good point. I tell you what, my man from the, the show uh, Play to Win, my man Terrence Mathis, my little co star here. I don't know why I said little because he's an NFL veteran, but New Mexico State Aggies, too. Ole Miss. Oh, is that New Mexico State? That's not the Aggies, the Lobos or something. No, that's New Mexico. Who cares? I think it is the Aggies. Yeah. I think, I'm pretty sure it is yeah, the Aggies. The Aggies have not won a game yet this year. Land Let's do that of enchantment. One. Let's do New Mexico State and Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss is going to be a 26-point home favorite. They'll fight in Matt Luke's. There's no part of me that's going to comment on this game. I'm tired of being wrong, and I can't do it anymore. Okay. We already moved past Western Kentucky, Arkansas, even though I think yeah. Western Kentucky is going to be a 2.5-point favorite on the this road. This is the We missed it so much. We really did. Vandy in Florida. Florida coming off of that emotional loss to Georgia. Vandy has actually looked okay defensively the last couple games, dare I say. I don't know. This might be seen as a little bit of a slap in the face to Florida. Florida minus 23. What do you think about that? Um, I'm going to say it's it's at Florida. So, yeah, I'll say, I'll say 21 and a half, something like that. 20 and a half, I don't know. Florida was losing in the fourth quarter on the road against Vandy last year. Different with Several Kyle Trask, fights. quarterback. Yeah, several fights. Oh, yeah. That was such a great back and forth. Sideline clearing. Oh, that was fantastic. Dude, that, was, more that, that was when – so I was in Tuscaloosa for the Mizzou game with a bunch of Mizzou grads, and I remember we're sitting there watching it. I'm like, I'm working, and they're all like – they're drinking and having fun, and somebody starts dying laughing, and that's when Derek Mason – Drop the F U, F U from across the sideline. And they ask him about it afterwards. He was like, I didn't say that. Like, yeah, we, we got proof here, guys. I would never, I would never do that. <laughs> it is all on camera. Sorry, Derek. Mizzou, Georgia, the game that we are going to be at. Gone back and forth on this one because Mizzou has just looked totally different the last two games. They're a very different team on the road. I have Georgia's a 21 point home favorite. 11 and a half. No way. Okay. No, they've got to be more than that. Right, well, we'll they've see. got to be more than that. You're usually Mizzou right about this, s- not me. Mizzou has been so, so bad on the road. Georgia just and, played and, their rivalry game against Florida. They're coming home true. for a game against it. They, they, have, they have routinely looked underwhelming against the past two years. Vegas has given Georgia the benefit of the doubt throughout this year, though. And that Mizzou. is something to also keep in mind. Yeah, good point. Good point. All right, I'll probably be, I'll, I'll be a little bit high on that one. That's okay. App State. South Carolina. App State was ranked, lost to Georgia Southern, team that played against Get LSU. Up. South Carolina at home, I might be too high on this one. Yeah, I have South, Carol- South, South Carolina is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Nine-and-a-half. Oh, that much? Yep. Interesting. I mean, I've never, I don't know why I'm saying with any of this conviction, because I'm never right. You're, you're always spot on with these, not me. Just say say everything with conviction. That's the way to live life. Fake it till you make it, man. Tennessee and Kentucky. Kentucky wins dis- outright, thirty-four to seven. That's too much. We're going to disagree on this yeah. one. I don't know how much the last year's game will really be taken into account because, as far as we know, Kentucky coming off of a bye week is sticking with the plan with Lynn Bowden. Sawyer Smith is supposed to be back and and just about ready to go, but. <laughs> Why I don't really know what cares? that means. Yeah, yeah. Who cares? Um, you're gonna have shameless plug, by the way. Uh, Colin uh, this week on why Lynn Bowden should have that AP All America spot. Yeah, uh, the All Purpose spot. I agree with that. I have Kentucky as a one point favorite. Tennessee in Lexington, two and a half. On the road at night, 
Tom Hart's going to be there. The mayor's going to be Is in attendance. Oh, yeah. Always. Come on. Oh, yeah. You know it. I don't um, care. Get to the good stuff. Let's go. All right. So this isn't so much guessing the line because we already know what this line started off as. I'm so fired I'm, up right now. I want to guess what this line will finish at. LSU and Bama, one oh, versus two. Boy. Well, maybe it isn't one versus two because as of this recording, we don't technically know the playoff rankings. So that, that kind of sucks. That kind of sucks. sucks a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah. I think it'll probably still be one versus two. I don't. That's my Because I think Ohio, because you have to bring in the whole national spectrum and people that watch other games, says the SEC. I'm saying that. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you in a minute Ohio why State I think Ohio I'll, t- I'll tell you in a minute why I think Ohio State might actually not get the benefit of the doubt and why they might be a little bit Ooh, you know, okay, cool. further back. I'll tell you in a second. Okay. I have Bama finishing, heading into Saturday, as of kickoff, as a seven-point favorite. I don't think this line no way. can I don't think this line can come below that. Will, I'll say that. It will it will plummet. You you think it'll plummet? Dude, I, dude let me let me ask you a question. And I'm, you know what? I'm getting on the soapbox. I'm fired up. It is game week. The one game of the year Bama fans have to get upset about and get ready for. LSU, because the rest of the schedule is such dog crap. Dog crap. Alabama's playing LSU. Somebody brought up earlier this week that you can already tell the Alabama hype train is going to be going off the rails. And all the bandwagon fans and all the, and fine bombs running the, I forgot who said it. You know who you are. It was in the SCS pod group. I, I love you to death. I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you following along. I'm going to tell you right now, you are out of your damn mind if you think that Alabama is getting the benefit of the doubt going into this game. All I've heard about, all I have heard about all season long, and a lot of it on this podcast, and with good reason, is LSU. LSU's offense. Joe Burrow for Heisman. Joe Burrow does this. Joe, Bur- I Did had- you just blame yourself? No, I, I said, I right said us, first off. Um, right. No, because, because and I've, I, no, I, I feel like I've been pretty logical about why we've had more stuff about LSU. It's because it's new. It's different. It's We've seen Bama dominate for 12 straight years. We've seen Bama dominate this rivalry for eight straight games. We've seen, even, even if it was just last year, we've seen this offense put up kind of points, even though statistically this team is better. This team is better statistically than last season. You wouldn't hear that because all you'd hear is, well, Bama doesn't play anybody. Well, Bama hasn't played anybody yet. Well, that's because Tua only throws slant routes. You know exactly who you are, the person that woke me up at 6.30 on Thursday morning or Friday morning talking about Tua only throws slant routes. If you're an LSU fan, you watch Tua throw things besides slant routes. But here's the deal. Everyone loves LSU. We love LSU. We love Baton Rouge, right? LSU is America's team. LSU is flat out America's team. We might have been a year early saying it last year on the summer pod on July 4th. This year, you are spot on. Coach O, love him. You saw the video of Marlon Davidson and Big Cat Williams. How how do you not love that dude? Fantastic. How do you not love that dude? Joe Burrow, you saw his butt in Starkville. How do you, well, there's other reasons to love him. But I'm just saying, how do you not love that dude? Regardless, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, this whole team, Clyde Edwards, Elah. Okay? I don't know if that's how you say it. Probably not. Regardless, there's I'll take it. there's so much to love about this team. Derek Stingley, Grant Delpit. All that being said, don't sit here and tell me that the same kind of love is being given to Alabama. The, this is a national line. This is a national game. The entire eyes of the entire country will be on this game. And I can tell you right now, people in Washington, people in Kansas, people in Minnesota. I don't know why I did this side for Minnesota. I messed that up. I think it's probably You don't know where Minnesota is. I honestly don't know if it's a state. But um, all those people, 
you know they're not sitting there thinking like Bama's the same. Bama's is dominant. Bama's is good. This line will plummet, plummet until Thursday when the Sharps hit it and get right back on Bama. So how low will it get? <laughs> That's the better question. You went. You just went on a three-minute three. rant about no way. Yeah, There's well. no way. Who do you I, think's gonna win, Connor? I think Bama's gonna, gonna win. win by seven. That's why I think that's the perfect line. That's why I haven't made my score prediction yet. I want to hear more about Tua. I want to have an informed opinion yeah, on all these I things. I want to hear more about the Derek Stingley of... stuff. I want to have more on the Grant Delpit injury. I want to hear more going into this game before I make an official pick about a, a final score. My, if I'm making an early pick, I'd pick Bama to win right now. But I think, I think that line can't finish lower than seven. I, so, I just all the streak, everything that's going into it. And I understand. I understand. The public has loved LSU this year. So. I, I I know it. I know it. But there are things that are still working in Bama's favor in this game. Like the Rams. Mainly, you got really loud on that one. I did. That mainly like mainly 29 up. That's the biggest thing. These two quarterbacks who faced off last year in Baton Rouge, that's a, obviously a big thing. This is a different LSU offense, of course. But I want to hear more about the progress of Tua, not just from – not just from external reports and, you know, Feinbaum, I know he went on SEC Nation and he said that he's hearing from Bama people that he's expected to be close to 100%. Tua's going to play. Tua's going to play. There's no doubt There's in my no mind. Doubt. Sorry, sorry, who is it? Uh, Joseph Goodman at AL.com saying oh, that he should God. sit this he's, game. Okay. I hate that take. I hate, I hate him. that take. I hate him flat out. Everything he says is wrong. Not totally off board with that one. I, I tell you, like, I, I'm... I, listen, no, no, you're right. That's a terrible take. But I'm just saying, as a fan that wants my team to make it to the playoff, you have remember what, remember what I told you last year when Tua got injured in the in the SEC championship game. I leaned over to you and I whispered. And I said, "That was weird." No, mm-hmm. that, when I said, I said, and with that, Alabama has made the playoff because you have a built-in excuse. And that was the one thing when Bama went into the SEC championship undefeated, and it was sitting there, and that was the last piece of data for the for the selection committee to be able to to sit there and break down. As opposed to this year, when Bama still has a month of football and yeah. still has to go to Jordan Hare and would still have to go to an SEC championship Fair. and all these things that you just take for granted all by saying, true. "Oh, if they lose to LSU without Tua, then like they're, they're just good and they'll go eleven and one, they'll be fine." Yeah, that's I great. just I don't like that take. All right, let's guess the playoff poll top six. We have we're gonna have some disagreement. Well, I have one point. question, real quick, just real quick, and I asked this to Mickey Sherman earlier. I, w- I want to ask you. This is just I'm trying to be unbiased and like not a fan. I just want to know: Do you think LSU fans? This week, do you think they're more worried about Tua's left arm that torched them last year, or do you think they're worried about the vowels in his name they have to pronounce after he wins this game? Let's go, boom, roasted. Don't forget, he had the long run in this game too. Tua's, Tua's arm was was good, not great in this one. He, he had two hundred ninety-five yards passing. I know, which for two is below average. Good, not great. <laughs> that was the argument I got into the other day, and so I was like, I mean, this guy torched this LSU defense. He was like, you didn't torch him. They were down nine nothing in the first first half almost, and I was like, they weren't. It was there's a whole anyway, moving on. Let's go. Top six. Top six. When the playoff rankings come out on Tuesday night, I'm guessing a couple people will have some opinions. Yeah. Because that's just the way it works. Number one, I think, will be LSU because of the aforementioned three wins against top ten teams. Are we going real quick? I mean, this is my fault. Are we going for who we think the best six teams are or do the best resumes? I am I am predicting who I okay. think the selection committee how the, I think they will they will rank these teams. Okay. Based on what we've seen in years past, all these different things that go into it. I think that at number two, the selection committee will have Bama there. At number three, I think the selection committee will have Ohio State there. I'll come back to that in a second. Number four, I think that they will have Clemson. 
Number five, I believe they will have Penn State. And number six, I believe they will have Georgia. Now, there are two places here where I know you disagree. Ohio State at three. You disagree with that? No, yeah. Yeah, I do. Okay. Here's why I think the selection committee will have Ohio State at three. They do not like rewarding when teams decide we are not going to play a Power 5 team in non-conference play. Ohio State did not do that. It, it, it came, that matchup with TCU was changed into a neutral site deal instead of a home-and-home. Home. They yep. weren't able to necessarily... So like whatever the, the result of that is, they still don't want to necessarily sit here and say, you can be number one if you don't schedule a Power 5 team in non-conference right. play, no matter how dominant Ohio State has been, which they have been extremely dominant. They yeah. have passed every single test. That they can still wait for that to play out, so they don't have to put them necessarily at number one, number two. I think that Georgia at number six is going to get more of the benefit of the doubt than Oregon for this reason. Yes, all of the reasons that we talked about with Georgia coming into this, where they have the bad loss to South Carolina, people are people are going to sit here and say, "Well, Oregon's loss isn't as bad as Georgia's loss, Not therefore it. Oregon should be ranked better." That's one one caveat. Here's the other thing: How many top ten teams has Oregon beat? Uh, zero. How many is Georgia beat? Two. Well, one one that's currently top ten, but yeah, go ahead. Selection committee values that stuff. They value non-conference play a lot. A lot. And I, and I understand. I, oh, I think they, Oregon has a case. a lot of credit for, beating a, for being a, a Notre Dame team that has... They will s- give them credit for that. So that's why, that's why I think that Georgia will be at number six, despite the fact that Oregon has proved me wrong so many times this year, and they are looking like a team that could easily become the first They're a top the first team. team to go 9-0 and and win the conference championship en route to the playoff. I would not rule that out, considering how good Oregon has looked. Tell me, tell me though, why you think this, this, the selection committee would want to have Oregon at number six instead of Georgia. They have a top 10 defense. They have a top 20 yes, offense. Do. They have a top 10 NFL draft pick at quarterback. They have By the way, that hit, I didn't think that was dirty. I looked like he looked like he no, tripped into him. Eh, I don't know. I, mean, I looked like Either he fell. way, either way. Like, but listen, that kid makes throws on the field that no one else in the country can make besides Trevor Lawrence. And I, I think that's not why I would have them necessarily ranked, I don't know, that high. And also they don't have a top 10 defense right now. Uh, what do you call it? I was going to say cuz they just allowed 30 plus yeah. consecutive games coming into the US. True. Game. But so they they have one of the better defenses in the country. They 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 are going to play a nine game conference schedule, which I think does does factor in. Um that it, it bottom line for me is is like when you're looking at the schedules, you have to rank losses. And we saw this earlier or last year when it's Ohio State who won their conference versus Alabama who didn't make their conference championship game. Ohio State lost two years ago. To, yes, exactly. Two years ago, they lost by thirty-one points to a non-ranked team. I know that two losses. They had two losses. Yeah, Ohio State had two losses. And Bama had one. Yeah. So why was it even close? I don't think that's true. Is that right? Yes. Two years ago, Ohio State had one loss last year. Who did they have two losses to? Purdue and who? Two. No, last year was I, the Purdue loss. I'm saying they had one loss last year. Oh, they lost to Iowa. They twenty eighteen. Yes, two years ago uh-huh. they lost to Iowa and they lost to Oklahoma. They had two losses and they won the conference oh, yeah, championship. Cool. Okay, never mind. Well, then everything I said is wrong. Regardless, I don't think that they're still going to weigh in the fact that this is a Georgia team that lost to an unranked team at home. True, hundred percent. This true. is a Georgia team that has looked mediocre at best on offense for most of the year. I don't care what they did yesterday. We're taking in the entire this, and this is listen. This is one thing that fans are going to have a hard time with because we had and again give credit to Georgia fans yesterday. Somebody brought up and was like, well, you were definitely wrong with the James Coley thing. No, again, I don't feel like I'm wrong no. when you're looking at the entire body of work. 
Okay. It's the Derek Mason thing over again. It's like you want me to just pretend like the last right. month of what I've seen just didn't happen, and because something you yeah. did today retroactively makes quid pro quo, whatever that crap is. No, that get out of here with that. Yeah, yeah. you're I, you talking about talking about creatures under the sea, squid. And everything. I don't get that. I am. Regardless, like, yeah, I mean, like, it's our job to look at the entire body of work and, and assess. And we're not always right, but like, the assess or rarely are. Whatever you want to say, but like. To assess everything we've seen, everything we've seen, okay, and and I've I've watched Ohio State play for the entire season. I'm gonna give them them the doubt, not just be, I've I've watched them more so than other teams nationally because of strictly because of gambling, and I've I've had to watch them throughout most of the season. I think they are the most dominant team in the country. I think LSU's resume deserves to be number one, and I think LSU should be and will be number one. I think Ohio State will be number two because of the fact that they I get the zero power five things. I don't I think that would keep them. From being ranked number one, I think they would still be ranked number two because there's no way in hell Alabama's schedule is going to get rewarded over anyone's schedule at this point of the season. They're not going to look at they ain't going to look at that Duke game. I tell you what, they ought to. <laughs> I can't even Here's a challenge this. to you, the listeners. Yeah, I realize this is a difficult thing to do, but this is year six of this thing. Let's let's all collectively, as college as college football fans, yeah. consume this every Tuesday night. Let's try and try and picture and try and predict what we think the se- the selection committee is going to do not just try and create our own specific like you know this team Narratives. has won this game at night and this team won you know this power 5 like you know mm, all these random you. all these random ways to i like i like flipping that switch at this time of year and saying i am going to try and get inside the mind of the selection no. committee because what they think is what decides this that's, and i try and spend i try and spend that's what i try and come up with a logical way of looking at this instead of cuz then i factor in preseason stuff kind of, that's not I, what we're paid to do though what we're paid to do is talk about what we what we see and what we think it should be and i, I don't disagree that that but that's a that's a cop out no not in a rude way but it's a cop out of being like you're not having to make a, any kind of any kind of like decisions or, or like you're not having to go out there and say what you or make any statements of what you think is best or what you think you've seen. Like, I mean, like what the, what the real challenge should be is to go out here and objectively, which this, this should cater to you. Cause like, you don't have skin in this game. Like, like I, I do, I am a Bama fan, but I'm saying like, go out there in a non-biased way, in a very logical and reasonable way, state your case. What do you think? The no, but, but this goes back to last year with the Georgia thing, right? Where after the SEC championship, everybody's talking about, yes, Georgia is one of the yeah. top four teams in the country. And I'm, and I'm like, you're, you're right. It's 100% right. Do I think Georgia's going to be in the playoff? No. That's, and, but and those I are explained, two separate conversations. Right, but that's, that's what I'm saying. A lot of people go by what they think should be should be deserved. And they say, all right, and Herb Street was big on this, and he came on our podcast and repeated right. it again. That that to me is can sometimes be a little bit of a of a wasted thing when we're trying to figure out what the selection committee is ultimately going to do. And I'm not saying it's always right, yeah. but I'm saying that trying to get inside their mind it, to me is more worthwhile in the long run. That's, I, just, that's I think point. it's two separate conversations, and I and I, I don't like having, I don't like spending time where I'm trying to evaluate some somebody else's decision. Like like I I, I that's not that's fair. That's I mean honestly because it, it that takes all the fun out of it. If if I was like. I mean, there's no, there's no, not in a rude way, but not any creativity in that. There's not any challenge in that as much as it's like, hey, tell me what you think and why you think it. Like, so the Facebook Live the other day, this is what I said, what I think the top five should be. And I, and I know that's not what we set out, or top six should be, and that's what we set out to originally do. I said LSU, Ohio State, I said Penn State third, Bama four, Clemson five. And Ooh. I said Penn State ahead of Bama, and everyone freaked out. And I said, let me tell you what, 
Bama has one win over a top 25 team. Penn State has two. They have double the amount of wins against the top 25 team. They, their defense ranks second in the country in, in uh, running defense. They rank top 10 and, nationally in, in total defense. They rank in the top 10, I believe, nationally in scoring defense, correct? Bama doesn't have any wins against a current top 25 team. Boom. A, yeah, then top 25 team. Think, and only one win against a power five team that has a winning record. Right, exactly, Bama. exactly. And so and I think Bama's one of the top four teams. I think that their resume is still better than Clemson's. I like because of because of when you look at the actual strength of record and the way they've won those games, it has been more impressive than what Clemson has done. And yes, I am talking about the fact that they almost lost to UNC. You can say they didn't lose to them, that's fine. And I guarantee effing to you in three weeks from now yeah in three weeks from now and i'm gonna get fired up when bama when bama plays western carolina and especially if they lose lsu and they need to have the strength of of schedule brought up everyone in this country will bring up the fact they're playing western carolina in the 11th game of the season i love dustin shooty he'll bring it up a lot of people bring it up no one is talking about clemson playing wofford yesterday wofford no one no one nobody anyway Moving on, the whole thing about Penn State being ranked ahead of them, they have a better defense. Statistically, they should be ranked ahead of them. They have won their games. Their strength of schedule, strength of record is third in the country. That is mathematically and statistically better than Alabama's. You cannot argue that. That is a fact. It is a number. It is a statistic. Love it. So, and I think no, Oregon, you? Uh, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, it's, it makes me so mad because it's like, and, and that's that's why I get so fired up because I get what you're, I get your point. And, and Connor, what you do uh, this and what you do so well just in general on here, just like time for some bro love here, is that you're a logical person, you're a reasonable person, you have to bring me back down to earth all the effing time. <laughs> but like, but when you do that, it's it bother. What bothers me is like, you're, it is it is a good thing to be like, like if I'm if if I'm a Georgia fan listening to this podcast, I do want to hear or, or an SEC fan, I do want to hear like, what do you, why do you think that Georgia should get in? Or if if you think I'm a Bama homer, you do deserve to hear like, no, Penn State's so better than Bama. Or here's what I'll do that, and higher. here's. Here's what I try and focus on. I tried to do this last year when I did weekly columns called Supremacy Chatter, Rest in Peace. And I did this every Sunday morning when I would basically break down the Power Five, how I think it impacts the playoff. I will try and find inaccuracies and the inconsistencies that the selection committee does. That is going to be my goal moving forward. If they're going to get up there and say, okay, this non-conference win we value really highly one week, and then all of a sudden they're, taking, they're not taking into account, they're valuing wins over Power 5 teams with winning records one week, and then all of a sudden it doesn't matter, and it's right. just the team that doesn't have any is number one. I will try and take all those things into account because I think that as fans, we want to feel like they are doing we right by us. We deserve to hear that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I agree. Right. I agree with what you're saying, and 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 I think the last thing we'll say before we move forth and wrong is when we talk about when we talk about like the Penn State thing, and I've said this before in the STS podcast thing, is you can tell me I'm wrong with the power rankings or whatever because I'm gonna be wrong. Y'all know that. Like I'm gonna be wrong. Not not just gambling. My assessment of things. Sometimes I'll get you know hyper focused on something that maybe causes me to overlook other parts of that same argument, and that is fair. And I, and I because more than anything, guys like. Like the whole point of this is to have a a what it's what this podcast group has kind of become outside of game days is like a good place to have like f- a fun and engaging and 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 justifying and educated arguments. Educate like if you are going to say I'm wrong, tell me why. Don't just tell me it's because well they're a better team. They passed the eye test. No, tell me why. Can I say one thing real quick Absolutely. to close the playoff discussion? Because we're going to talk more about the playoff. But it we're better be something I agree with, Wednesday. otherwise I'm taking over. I'm it's something everybody agrees with. Thank God we don't have to deal with UCF discussion on both sides. <laughs> I am so happy that we can watch a selection show and not have to talk about UCF. Yeah. Either way, I just, I'm, I'm so glad that's going to be over. Now. 
You know who? Memphis, you know who's a new Memphis. UCF, and they should be. They're not getting any love right now. Is Baylor? Ooh, Baylor. Baylor's had an interesting an interesting start to the season. Still have a very backloaded schedule yeah. as well. Kind of like they're kind of like you know what Minnesota is right now. Eight no, eight no in a power five. Amazing. Fourth and wrong. Let's get to it. I haven't even looked at these yet. I'm just going to go blind. That's how Give I do every one. podcast. Uh, what, is, what is considered too early to put up Christmas decorations? This was turned in from... Du- oh, hold on real quick. Let me go ahead and, and say thank you guys for the podcast group. We're up over 2,500 people. You guys are the best. Uh, we do this every week, fourth and wrong. We're doing two fourth and wrongs. You know I'm not doing Ed Talks. Last week was the best Ed Talks of the season. We're going to save it for next week. See how I feel. Regardless, Let's fourth and wrong. Best non-football-related questions or advice you want. We had this turned in by several people. Doug Hayden, Jesse Folly, and Chris Barish, just to name a few. Uh, what is considered too early to put up Christmas decorations? It's easy. If you're doing it before Thanksgiving, come on. Come on. Do you, do you have people over at your house for Thanksgiving with Christmas decorations all around you? If you do, it's too soon. It's too soon. Yeah. Your house should look like you're celebrating Thanksgiving. We cannot overlook this fantastic holiday. If you want to do it it's on Thanksgiving... Holiday that's fine. We put up our Christmas tree on Thanksgiving. We will even watch Christmas movies at night on Thanksgiving unless the Egg Bowl's on, in which case we'll yeah. watch it, I guess, late afternoon. But just give it a, give it time. You're going to have plenty of time for Christmas. Don't worry. Uh, so I agree with everything you said, and I've been such a staunch, <laughs> staunch, Great word. new favorite word, staunch supporter of everything you said until we moved into this damn house. And it is oh, like, no. I know. We, Am I going to show up on no, Friday and there's going to be Christmas no, decorations? No, you good. won't because it's we're, you're going to show up on Friday and there's going to be a thousand things not put away still because I can't – I'm just tired of moving. <laughs> but but so the worst thing that humans do. Oh, man, it is the worst. So um, besides war, am I right? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. So listen, I I agree with you so much, but like, God, we've been to Target so much this week. And – I love Thanksgiving. It's my favorite holiday. I've told you before. This it's it's this is the beginning of giving up season. Okay, it's not as cool as hoodie S Z N, but giving up season is my favorite. Where you just start putting on weight, you start putting on hoodies and all that kind of stuff, sweatpants. I want to put up Christmas decorations. Like, I want to start watching Christmas movies now. I do. They're they're on Netflix. I'm gonna burn out. I don't I don't need to. Maybe it's like a transition where you start watching Die Hard, where it's like a Christmas movie, but not. I love Thanksgiving so much. But I am, like, just because I'm a, just, a, I don't, I can't say the word I want to say, but I've become such a pansy now when it comes to, like, decorating the house. Like, it's just, there's so many cool decorations. We're going to have a stocking for you on Friday. It's going to be so nice. What? You're not going to get a stocking. Um, okay. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to skip down to uh, the fourth question here um, for the second one. Should retailers be open on Thanksgiving Day? That is from Alex McHale. Because of Black Friday, Yeah. If you're a retailer not open on Thanksgiving Day, I, it's such a huge, huge day in a capitalist economy. Yeah. I mean, that's just that, that's fact. Like so whether it's morally correct, whether it's morally correct or not, if you're a business and you're you're shutting down on Thanksgiving, I mean, at least you gotta at least be open in the afternoon or something like that because that's the way Black Friday shopping works. I know Cyber Monday is huge and everything, but I I can't imagine being being that staunch. There we go. There you go. It's and saying, no, we're just going to shut our doors and pretend like it's it's a typical government holiday. You just can't do it. Dude, again, such a logical response. I, I hate it so much. It's my least favorite thing that we do now on, on holidays. It really is. Like, I know. Opening up on Christmas, that's one thing because it's like, there's, like, listen, 
Because yeah, by the time you get to Christmas, Christian, I get it. yeah, sure. But also by the time you get to Christmas, it's like, all right, I've seen my family enough. Like I'm, I'm over it. Like I need, like that's why bars being open on Christmas, great move, great move. Um, Thanksgiving as well. But like retailers, there's nothing more depressing to me when it's like, ugh, first off, it's the first day of this too, and it's like five o'clock and it's already starting to get dark, and you you go by mm-hmm. like a Best Buy and you're like, God, y'all, just set an alarm clock, man. Put on a pot of coffee, set an alarm clock. Like I, I don't know. I, 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 I don't think they should be open on Thanksgiving. Now you gotta really hate seeing your family to be open on Thanksgiving. <laughs> in a perfect world, and I'm not that person. I'm yeah. not the person who leaves Thanksgiving yeah. early and goes out shopping and stuff like that. But I, I understand yeah. kind of the business and the well, dynamics. Break some leaves, it. man. Like I don't. Yeah, uh, yeah I, don't, I don't get that. Either. I miss leaves. You know? Oh yeah, you don't have leaves. You're gonna have. You're, yeah. you're, you're gonna be put to work when you get over here on Friday. Um, yeah. All right, three. What is an acceptable amount of drinks to drink at a work Christmas party? From Chad McKee. I'll let you go first. Two beer, Connor's always going to say two, but it depends on the situation. It always depends on the situation. One, are you driving? Because yeah. two is the max if you're driving. In my opinion, that's just you got to drinking space and driving in general nowadays with Uber is just like yeah, just just no point in that. Yeah. But. If if everybody else, if it turns into the office Christmas party, like I'm not talking your office, I'm lampshade. talking the office. Yeah. yeah, you got lampshades in the head, Meredith's getting hammered, you got Phyllis doing shots, then I mean, yeah, you're, yeah. you're gonna partake a little bit. Never, ever, 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 ever be the drunkest person at your office Christmas party. It never, ever ends well. Make sure that you are a solid notch below that person to where you can tell yeah. who the drunkest person in the room is. That's what I would say. On a scale of one to Chris and Baton Rouge trying to Facebook Live <laughs> after the game. Such a bad idea. Such a bad idea. You want to not be anywhere close to the Chris Facebook Live after the game. Um, so I think this depends on what your, what, like your, your office, first off. Like your office, the, like the way Got, the, yep. the camaraderie is, the way the business is run. Like, and, and this is such a... It's like, I don't say moving target, but kind of like a moving target nowadays because it's 2019 and people aren't... Like, 80s Christmas parties, like like what we saw in Die Hard, I just full, I fully believe that's what everybody was doing. It's just, like, ridiculous oh, yeah. stuff. Um, anyway, like, like when I worked in radio, the Christmas party, it was, like, a challenge of, like, how drunk are you going to get the Christmas party? I'm like, I don't... Are we allowed to do that? Like, or how? Mm. I don't know. Um, yeah, take Connor's advice. Don't ever be the drunkest person at the Christmas party. Um... Definitely drink, but you have to, yeah, you have to gauge what everyone's telling you. I, I see, I just, I work so many industry years where it's like you're in like a restaurant or bar. So it's like Christmas parties were one, they were always in January for whatever yeah. reason. And then it was just, everyone's like, just go, everyone do something stupid so you can't walk tomorrow. It was awful. Uh, last but not least, if you could show someone who's never watched or heard of football one game to really sell them on the sport, which game would you pick? That's from Sarthak Sharma. It's a great question. Yeah. It's a great question. I know what game you would pick. I'm going to guess. Oh, I'm going to go 2005 National Championship. Damn it, Connor. Damn it. Damn did you just did you just have the same thing yes. in mind? Yes. Wow. Okay, I would go that game for a couple of reasons. One, everybody knew about the storylines going in with USC, this great dynasty. Everybody knows the household names, Matt Lyon, Reggie Bush, Lendo White, all those guys. Vince Young, our guy Gene Chizik on the sideline as well. Yeah. Sick brag. Um, but I would say that game because of the fact that it's in the Rose Bowl. So the optics of it right. are incredible. I mean, so, so cool. That's why we look back on that game and use, everybody knows the picture of Vince Young with the confetti or yeah. the video of Vince Young with the confetti. It just looks like such Storybook. pageantry in that moment. Yeah. Storybook game, storybook moment. I remember watching that game as, I what was I, 
15, I was 15 at the time yeah. or whatever, and thinking, holy crap, this this game is somebody who, like, I have a million other things that I could right. have my attention on, but as a 15-year-old without a rooting interest in this yeah. game, I am locked in. I, I challenge any human being to watch that game and tell me that football's a bad sport. Dude, yeah, it's so spot on. That's the same one I picked. I, I thought about, like, what did you think I was going to say? Second 26? Yeah. Miserable, miserable football game to watch. First half, <laughs> awful. I, I wanted to leave. Remember, Allie, oh, that's interesting. Allie had yeah. to keep me from leaving. I was like, if, if we don't put, if we don't score in the second drive, we're leaving. She's like, you want to leave? Because it was 10-0. And- yeah, yeah, it was 13 nothing. but whatever. People don't forget. Um, so I, I there's there's a lot of things. I can say, as a Bama fan, like, y'all cover your ears. Kick six is a possibility. But there's Ooh, there's too much think you'd go there's there. too much stuff to sh- like there's so much to unpack especially and you guys listen to the podcast you know there's no way you're gonna be like hey let me put on this game and just be quiet and let you take it all in I won't interrupt at all um, I I think it's the 2005 national championship game and I think it's because, the comeback game even would be one oh, what I know I was gonna jokingly bring that up I didn't no, think you would actually because, go there if somebody doesn't understand football everyone loves an underdog everyone loves a comeback story and those yeah, both true. those things but there's just so much to unpack there and also. I'll, and I'll just say it: the stuff with Bama, like it brings out the worst in me. Sometimes it brings out the, that rivalry brings out the worst in people. There's a reason they stopped playing it for 50 years. I mean, they, that rivalry. Like, if, if you're having to, if, if it's somebody that lives in Utah and you're trying to explain to them, like, yeah, this one state that has nothing to believe in, it's just every <laughs> November they get together and put on different colors and try not to stab each other. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. Can't wait to buy into that. No, um, the national championship game. You have two. You have. I mean, you have USC and you have Texas. You know what I mean? You have Texas, and then USC. You've got you've got the Heisman Trophy winner multiple, and you have the guy that thinks he should have won it, and they have a comeback in that game. And and you again, you do have the Rose Bowl and the beautiful backdrop of California, which again, it's just obnoxious. They're allowed to have mountains. It just it's such a pretty landscape in general. But it, that is the game that you could show people, and and it's so entertaining the whole time. What? The one thing I'll say about that game is that dumb steer Bevo is in attendance. You hate and, him, yeah. You know, yeah. yeah, and Texas we, we wins too, which I hate. I that that Bebo thirty for thirty celebrates. is really cool, and I, I, I have one of my favorite lines ever. Like, like especially when I was like an athlete, uh, when this came out, when Lindell White, when they were playing Arizona State, and they're down like twenty one nothing in the second quarter, and then like that, it was twenty eight twenty one, and Lindell White just turns around casually after he, he goes and scores like the go ahead touchdown. He's like, "We too dominant, <laughs> we too dominant." Um, I love that team. That was so much fun to watch. But yeah, that uh, Texas winning does suck, but it is it's still a good game. It's a great game. Speaking of that sort of sort of generation, I know there wasn't quite overlap here, but Greg Greg McElroy shared this last week and I meant to actually bring this up. I skipped right past it might mean too much because we had a lot of athletic quarterbacks. <laughs> we had we had uh, so many five-star reviews to get to sick break to us that I wasn't able to fit in it might mean too much. But this story that Greg McElroy shared on the broadcast last week Saban once put him in concussion protocol after a, after a bad game. So you probably remember this. McElroy said, we played against Ole Miss in 2009, and I didn't play great that game. Awful. I didn't play bad. Uh, so he said, I followed it up the next week with a really bad performance against South Carolina. That was, uh, was Mark worse. Ingram's highs. It was Mark Ingram's Heisman moment, by the way. Went for 250 yards on the ground. Um, the next day, I didn't see the field well at all. Threw a couple of picks, played horribly. And Saban said after, yeah, we're going to check you for a concussion. We are. Because there's no way you can play as bad as you're playing and not be concussed. Of course, I did go through concussion protocol. I did not have a concussion. I was seeing ghosts, if you will. 
Not surprising. Not surprising. Dude, I remember that. I remember that Ole Miss game, and that was infuriating because that was the year Ole Miss was supposed to be really good. They started out top five in the country. They had Jevin Seed, rest in peace, and then they ended. I think they were twentieth when we played them, but it was it was nine nothing going into half, and Ingram scored a late touchdown. He would hold on, hold on. Ingram went off in that game against Ole Miss. They kept. Oh well, against uh, the week after against South Carolina, in um, 2009. Ole Miss McElroy, who said he didn't have a bad game, was 15 of 34 for 147 yards, no touchdowns. That's pretty so bad. that's pretty bad. Yeah, that South Carolina game I remember watching that was awful to watch because that was that was when Ingram he had six carries on a 68 yard drive. That was what started the Heisman thing. Is it mean to say that that's uh, Bo Nix against a quality punter? Right <laughs> or at home, man? Honestly, hey, actually, he completed like 12. No, he had plenty of yards. He had, he had 20 yards. 12 complete. I don't care about the yards. He had 12 completions. In the first half. That's, 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 that's all for this broadcast. If you have not yet, join our Facebook group. Great discussions going on. We've got live game threads going on. Yeah, fun. Marler will, Marler will post random rants that you should definitely comment on and make them feel better about. Um, In all make caps. Sure, <laughs> make sure if you have not, please, please do so. Thank you to all of our moderators, our discussion facilitators. They do a f- fantastic job. Yeah. Watch Facebook Live with Marler. That's Mondays. And are we going to do one Saturday at we'll actually reasonable hour? Sure. Um, we'll, we'll do a pre. We will not be doing any more Facebook Lives late into Saturday evening. Driving back in areas that I'm not familiar in? Yes, that is true. Um, we'll, we'll do them in controlled environments only. So I, I will say that. But yeah. Uh, Saturday, or I guess Monday, 8.30, and then Saturday at 10 a.m. Awesome. Follow us on Instagram at Saturday Night South. Follow us on Twitter at the SDS Pod, at Vern Funquist, at CJ O'Gara. Is Matt Luke still around? You doing, Is Matt he still there? Oh, Matt Luke. Yeah. Hey, coach, you'll miss football. Trick or treat, Connor. I'm here. It might mean, it might mean too much. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's going to get fired immediately. All right, thanks, guys. <laughs> Talk to you later this week.